Hello, Hello there. there. Welcome back to episode, regular episode that is 76 of Star Wars in a Galaxy. Watching all the Star Wars we can get our hands on. As always, I'm Jacob. I'm Eli. And today and- we are going over the Bad Batch arc of season seven of the Clone Wars. That's the Bad Batch, a distant echo on the wings of Kiridax and unfinished business. Very, very interesting set of episodes today. Eli, I'm super excited to hear what you have to say. Um, so yeah, you wanna you wanna jump in? I, I do wanna jump in. First of all, I just wanna say before we jump in, um, we didn't mention this because we were kind of, no offense, but we were kind of busy having Alex and Molly Damon on and freaking out about that. But welcome to season 10 of Star Wars in a Galaxy, everybody. Season 10, we're Ooh. doing this thing. Season 7 of the Clone Wars um, is, is it's going to be a great season. I can already feel it. I mean, we started off with having two of the most influential content creators in our space on. I mean, I think that's a good start. Um, but I'm, I'm excited to hear your thoughts on the Bad Batch arc, an arc that holds, I gotta say, it holds a lot of sentimental value for me. Because mm. yeah, me as I well. remember seeing this arc for the first time a few years ago. And I was already a huge Clone Wars fan. And I'm like, you know, I liked Rebels and I liked Resistance, all that kind of stuff. And then I heard Clone Wars is coming back. And I'm like, oh my god, Clone Wars is coming back. And th- and especially this first episode reminds me of that Clone Wars is back feeling I got. Which is a really, was a really special feeling to get. Uh, okay, yeah. the first episode of this arc is called The Bad Batch. In this episode, the Republic is mounting a huge campaign in the Outer Rim sieges on a, on the shipyard planet of Anaxes. Their campaign is doing pretty badly because they're losing thanks to this uh, new algorithm the Separatists have that seemingly allows them to predict all of the Republic's moves and outsmart them before they make their moves. Um, in response to this, Rex and Cody approach Anakin and Mace Windu to take a squad out and try to figure out how the Separatists keep predicting their mood. Uh, how the Separatists keep predicting what they're about to do. Um, Cody calls in Clone Force Special Special Clone Force Unit 99 called the Bad Bash, consisting of Hunter, Tech, Wrecker, and Crosshair, four genetically modified clone troopers whose special abilities make them a force to be reckoned with in a battle. Um, the, the Bad Batch and the 501st head out there, shot down on, uh, over in, um, on, in the skies of Anaxes by battle droids, um, and they must uh, complete the rest of their journey on foot. They eventually get to a separatist outpost on, uh, a listing post on Anaxes. Um, they take that over and plot their next move, um, by the time the Separatists get there following their tracks, they're already at the Separatist um, outpost, which is a bigger area, and they see that they're getting a transmission from Skako Minor, and it is revealed that Rex's old friend and former 501st member Echo is alive and is being used by the Separatists um, to, uh, to counter the Republic's battle strategies as their own pawn um, 
transmitting information from Skago Minor, properties of the Skakoans uh, of the Techno Union, recovered after um, the explosion at the Citadel in Season 3. Um, Rex has to deal with the news that Echo is alive, and that's how the story ends. Awesome. So, the fortune cookie for this episode is embrace others for their differences, for that makes you whole. What do you think of this one, Eli? I think it's a pretty good one. You know, um, I, I, you know, Star Wars did a lot of stuff where being different is perceived as a strength and not as a weakness. You know, like, I'm thinking, like, force sensitivity is a big one. You know, um, it's, it's, you know, it's not normal to be moving things around with your hands and all that kind of stuff just supernaturally, but the Jedi are one of the most revered parts of Star Wars. Um, and this is what the Clone Wars and in turn the Bad I'm going to be talking about the Bad Batch show a lot with this arc, surprise, surprise, because of how closely this, um, this connects with it. Um, in fact, I want to actually take a little aside. Uh, Jacob, have you ever heard of the term backdoor pilot? Backdoor pilot. I have not. So a backdoor pilot is when they introduce characters into one show to see how popular they are before they spin off those characters into their own show. Oh, so so, so this, this is, is the backdoor, backdoor pilot, pilot for, for the Bad Batch, the show. Because I was gonna say, I was gonna say, one what, what other point in Star Wars? This may be the only point where we have an episode name that is also the name of a show, but it's the name of a different show. Yeah, I will say this too. Um, there's another weird example, which I'm thinking of, which is Aftermath, the first episode of The Bad Batch is actually the name of a book. Yeah, 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 it is, it is as um, well. But that's, I, that's you know, there, there are of course other backdoor pilots. Like I'm thinking of, um, you know, the, we, we, as we discussed, the Jedi Youngling arc in season five was supposed to be a backdoor pilot. What was the what was the show supposed about to be? What the were they younglings. testing for? There was going to be wait. There was going to be a show about the younglings. What was it going to be? They called? were considering it. They were yeah. considering. I don't think it made it very far in development. Yeah, because um, we haven't heard anything about we, that we or gotten any unreleased. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that would also I, I don't that think was it made it, probably yeah. the pre-Disney era. So just before, yeah, yeah but very, I don't think, very very different roadmap that they yeah, had. Yeah, I don't think. Um, but you know. Star Wars is doing more and more backdoor pilots these days, actually. Um, the one I'm thinking of the most is The Tragedy, which was, in essence, the backdoor pilot for the Book of Boba Fett. Yeah, sort of. I feel like once you have something like The Tragedy, just thinking about the timetables, to me it seems highly unlikely that they, didn't al that they weren't already confirmed doing Book of Boba by the yeah, by the time I, that came out. I completely but agree I, I with you. Think it's a, it's a, I still think it's an interesting way through all these through all these different, you know, tie-ins, cameos, everyone meeting everyone. It's an interesting way that they kind of can start building hype. And that, that is something that Disney has been very good at with Star Wars is is building up the hype, I'd say. Absolutely. And also this is the craziest part. Mandalorian season two had three backdoor pilots. Really? Not one, three. I mean, one of them's not going to see the light of day, but two of them are. 
The Jedi can be considered as a backdoor pilot for the Ahsoka series. Mm. I, I, yeah, I can I can see that. And I think it may have made more of an intro than than a, than a true pilot if they're if yeah. they've if they've already kind of said, okay, we're doing this. Yeah, but you know, with Ahsoka asking, uh, what's her name? Uh, wow, I always Morgan Elsbeth. I always choke on that name. Uh, with Ahsoka asking Morgan Elsbeth, where is Grand Admiral Thrawn? And reportedly, Ahsoka is going to be a lot about her trying to find Thrawn and Ezra. So you know, backdoor pilot stuff. Um, the other one that didn't make it to the light of day is the siege. I believe was originally intended to be a backdoor pilot into Rangers of the New Republic. Oh yeah, that would that would have made sense, you know. Yeah, kind of, kind of, but um, after um, the incredibly damaging statements that Gina Carano made, that was obviously scrapped, and they said later that they're going to be melding a lot of those aspects into the other shows. Glad it didn't um, all go to waste then. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, um, sorry, sorry, long tangent, but I, I didn't want to bring up that idea because yeah. that's very interesting. I think I think Disney has definitely done a very interesting thing with how interconnected. They're making any everything. Um, but anyway, um, embrace yeah. others for their differences. For that makes you whole. What's your What's yeah. your take on this? Because I feel like there's a few ways you can you can look at this one. You know, as I was saying before, you know, like um, different differences are to be cherished and not scorned. Uh, I'm thinking about the bad batch for this episode. How the um, the regular clones um, have to learn to work with them for the greater good and learn that they're good soldiers, they're good fighters, and they're good people. I mean, most of them are good people. Yeah. We'll get to that later. Like, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We'll get to that later, yeah. Yeah. Um, but anything you got for this fortune cookie? Um, yeah, actually. Um, I think I took this in a slightly different direction, but I thought that this made me think about, you know, as we've, I've spent a great deal of time over the past year, year and a half, thinking about the Clone Wars, ruminating about the Clone Wars. And something that's emerged for me as one of the defining struggles is the clones struggling to maintain their individuality and their humanity and coping with the knowledge that their sole purpose or their, their sole purpose from the outside, at least is fighting and dying for the Republic. Um, so it's nice to see the story give a nod to that because in order to survive and, and, and maintain their humanity, the clones have to take their differences, take their quirks, um, wring them out for all their worth or create, or create them um, out of thin air. And we see that more and more you know, as the series goes on, whether it's, whether it's you know, the different personalities they have, the armor, the artwork, the tattoos, um, but I think what's interesting then is obviously this also refers to, you know, the friction between the, the regs as they're called in the Bad Batch. And I think the reason that the regs are kind of threatened in some regards by the Bad Batch is that the Bad Batch does, at least from some angles, they have inherently more, inherently more individuality, um, it, from, in, in one opinion, you could say, thanks to the mutations, um. So, so I thought it was an interesting. I kind of chose to take it as a as a nod to the, the overarching themes, especially given um, given what we see Rex going through, and given how this arc has kind of been. It was kind of changed 
from what it was originally um, to give it a more personal touch. Absolutely. I agree with you a lot on the ideas of, you know, individuality and conformity. And we see that a lot, again, in the show of the Bad Batch. You know, the Bad Batch keeps their armor. The Bad Batch keeps their individuality. They even get a new trooper, you know, Obeda, who has her own sense of individuality. But what do we see among the Bad Batch as the show continues on? The clones aren't wearing their specialized armor anymore. They're all, you know, they're 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 in their all white armor. They're in their they're slowly transitioning from clones to stormtroopers. War mantle is a big part of that show, um, and it's about and, and in many ways, if the Clone Wars is about the clones gaining individuality, I think we're going to see in the Bad Batch the clones loss of individuality, mostly because of those inhibitor chips. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's all I have for the, uh, the yeah. fortune cookie though. Um, I, I want to actually ask you a general point. All right, for sure. Cause uh, so I'm going to tell you something that I noticed while watching this arc and tell me if you agree or disagree. This arc, I appreciate this arc much more with season one of the bad batch show behind me. Um, absolutely. It, it's one of those things where I like you know, it's one of those things where um, I uh, when the Havoc Marauder flew down and I saw the Bad Batch walking off for the first time in, originally in the Clone Wars in February of 2020 when that was premiering, I'm like, oh cool, it's the Bad Batch. And and that and but now a few days ago when I watched it for the show, I it flew down. I'm like, oh, it's the Bad Batch. You know, I've grown with them as characters, and I've seen their evolutions as characters, and I know where they're going, and I know their journey, and I know wh what's going to be involved with for these characters really soon. And it's not like they're cool anymore; it's like they're almost friends. It's a it's a great feeling. Oh yeah, hundred um, percent. I think for me, one of my big gripes, I think this it definitely has improved knowing more about the Bad Batch just the overall experiences of watching these episodes. But for me, you know, I kept having to remind myself because I think the, the integration of the Bad Batch into these first few episodes is a little bit clunky in my opinion. So I kept having to remind myself, it gets better. It gets better. The Bad Batch gets better. They get better. Because um, I think they're a little bit too, they're, I think they're pretty two-dimensional um, in these episodes. Um, they don't They don't get a lot of wiggle room. They don't get a lot of, a lot of airtime and I think in my opinion it kind of brings the episodes down a little bit that they're trying to simultaneously tell Rex's story and Echo's story and that and that whole kit and caboodle and then also introduce the Bad Batch at the same time. I agree with some of your points I disagree with some other of your points I actually used to agree with you that the Bad Batch felt caricatured I've changed that I actually still do think they feel caricatured but I actually think that's right for the characters at this point and here's why the Bad Batch is doing what they're meant to be doing right now. Nothing interesting is is developmentally happening with their characters. Yeah, they're just kind of they're they're doing their thing. They're doing they're, what they were essentially programmed to do. They're, it's before the the change is forced. In them, yeah. You know? yeah, the Bad Batch show is about the Bad Batch having their sole purpose in life removed. Yeah, and having to grow and adjust as characters. And that's a great arc, and I love that. But this is not that. 
in my opinion, we need to see who they were before we can see who they will now be, you know? Yeah. I think that's a good point. I think that they kind they have to kind of have their roles or it makes it easier to introduce them as characters if they have a little bit more of these, you know, stereotypical character yeah. roles, you know, they feel yeah. almost like classes in like an FPS video game, you know. It's the way funny, I saw uh, um, a uh, how it should have ended for this arc and it was like, oh, hey, look, it's the four Bad Batch members, assault, heavy, officer, and specialist. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking of as well. Battlefront 2. Yeah. Um, so you have a point how the, it does, It you know, a lot of the shows start off that way. Rebels, for some of the characters, start off that way, where the characters, you know, characters like Zeb, yeah. a little bit of a gadget guy at first, but, you know, get, it gets better um, throughout the first season and second season until he's really fully fleshed out. Um, but, yeah, to me, I just thought it was unfortunate that that had to coincide with kind of... I think it was just a little bit awkward, maybe, that the introduction of the Bad Batch had to coincide with this kind of a big, a big grand conclusion for for Rex and Echo, and trying to get those characters a lot of closure. I agree with you, actually, about that last point. I feel like this arc, one of its weaknesses, is trying to juggle a little too much. Um, yeah. Uh, and. Uh, we'll get to my thoughts about we'll get to both of our thoughts about Echo later on, um, but suffice it to say, I'm not a big fan of that. Um, and we'll, again, we'll get to it more later. But um, yeah, first of all, I want to talk about season seven animation because the Ahsoka walkabout animation was really good. Yeah. But holy shit, this is some animation. Oh my gosh! Yeah, the visuals in this—that was the first thing I wrote in my notes. So just. The animation much is me too. simply stunning. I think, you know, the Ahsoka I walkabout... I the word stunning yeah. in mind. Yeah. You know, the Ahsoka walkabout, it, it does a good job, but it doesn't have as, you know, you have a lot of grungy, you know, dungeons, basements, backrooms, alleys, you know. Which is fine. It's the which is fine. Arc. But when you get to see a Naxxus... Just the visual, it's incredible. You know, the black glass, the, the purple and gold skies, the sunsets, the tree, man. My, my favorite is when, you, is when you get those swooping shots with the LAATs. Oh, those yeah. are so sexy. It's great. I love seeing those. Freaking Skako Minor, too. Oh, my Skako gosh. Minor looks great. And this this looks entire great. arc, this entire arc is just nonstop eye candy from start <laughs> to finish. It's so good. I'm a sucker for, like... The big sweeping visuals, and this just, man, <laughs> this this blew I me must away. have written down like five or six times. Wow, these visuals are great. Yeah. I mean, and the amount of details. I don't know if you noticed. Yeah. Um, where was it? It was one. Of, it was a, it was some panels in. I think it was in a building on Skaka Minor, and they were like fully animated, and they were blinking and stuff like that. I'm like, holy crap, that's detail right there. We would have gotten that in season one and two. You know, it. As much as I hate to say this, you know, some of the early Clone Wars stuff does feel a little bit set piecey. Yeah. This is not set piece. Like, I, I wrote down my first note was, this is not a set piece. This is a fucking planet. Yeah. You know, like, this, we can feel the atmosphere of this. It's so good. Uh, yeah. Um, also, let me talk, let me praise for a second. 
um, let's give our praise to um, our Lord and Savior of um, animated music, Mr. Kevin Kiner. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Because I remember specifically when I was watching this arc for the first time, I'm like, that Bad Batch theme is so catchy. Shame we're never going to hear it again. Yeah. No, it's insane. Famous it's last cool. words, but like, <laughs> um, but, but, but I, I'll, but during my head, just loop in this recording. Dun, 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 yeah, it really is. It really is. Yeah. It's quite, it's quite an earworm. Um, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty great. It's hard to, it's hard to deny. Um, yeah, I yeah. mean, getting into the episode, um, you know, obviously right off the bat, Rex reminiscing over the clones that have been lost in battle, you know, that picture scene. Um, Cody is right here, you know, he says like, oh, regular folks don't understand. That's only exacerbated by the fact that the clones have been, the clones have to live every day kind of with the knowledge that a lot of the, the world or the galaxy, I guess, is only going to see them as expendable combat units and that's how a lot of their jedi generals unfortunately see them as well it, it's it's one of the lines i remember a line from a i think it was the honest trailer um on screen junkies for revenge of the sit um and it was like i know it was attack of the clones watch two cgr disposable cgi armies clash seriously yeah. there's no reason to get emotionally invested in any of this but what i love about the clone wars is that it says yeah, the clones are treated to be extendable. How do you think they feel about that? Yeah, that's that's exactly where the Clone Wars goes. And I mean, this is kind of the this this is the perfect summing up of that. Um, and then, of course, yeah. Bad Batch with the most Bad Batch entrance possible. Uh, it's great. They basically just, swoop just in. basically just crash landing. Yeah. Um, I gotta say, and I know I'm not as much of a vehicle guru as you are, Jacob, but the Havoc Marauder is one of my favorite ships that's been introduced in the last few years of Star Wars content. It's such an iconic ship. It's, like, glued in my memory. Yeah. It's it's a great ship. Um, oh, it's fantastic. Uh, yeah. Um, let's see. Um nice. Oh yeah, <laughs> one of their inter one of their introductory lines is um, when well, Hunter talks to Cody. He goes, "So, Commander, what kind of suicide mission do you have for us this time?" <laughs> yeah, which is so pretty great line. The, I gotta say, the biggest strength of this arc is it's fun and it's pulpy and it's like really yeah. campy, but it works. You yeah. know, later on with with Wrecker, um, with, with Wrecker lifting off the the LAAT off of Cody and then it exploded behind him and him going boom like that's really campy but it just works yeah absolutely um I mean for me it didn't all work I thought the uh the whole introduction scene like I said felt very character class almost like watching like the TF2 shorts like a little bit too kitschy um but overall you know I can understand that overall yeah. though I can't I can't really complain, you know, like it's, it is, it is what it is, you know, they have to do, like I said, you know, they got to do what they got to do. It's just, for me, it's slightly unfortunate that it had to happen at this moment because I think it kind of cluttered up the flow of the episodes, but that's, yeah. that's really my only gripe. Like, yeah, 
No, I get that. that. Um, uh, I gotta say, um, if we want to go on the mission now, the shockwave plan that they execute in the valley—it's great. Yeah, I have no flaws about it. It's executed perfectly. I love it so much. I think it, my appreciation of it has only increased over time, and I love how we get to see the Bad Batch in their prime. It's it's an incredible sight to see. Yeah, it's it's pretty incredible. I agree. It, it, it's it's uh, it's yeah, um, yeah. Actually, I'll, let, let me. I think we should address the elephant in the room. Let's talk about yeah. Crosshair. Oh yeah. He's just mean for no reason. I'm not gonna. I didn't, I didn't remember like him being much. Much of a dick in this arc. No, yeah, he just Crosshair straight up sucks. And he, yeah, this, like, this first episode doesn't even scratch the surface of it. He just straight up sucks, man. I'm not a fan. I mean, like, look, I feel more betrayed by Crosshair leaving the batch if he wasn't an asshole already. Yeah. Like, I knew he was a little bit prickly, but like, he's just mean. No, he just hates regular clones a lot for. No apparent reason. He just he just kind of picks a lot of fights. Um, so yeah, you know, I think I that's one of the things where that that might that could have been flushed out. There's flushed this line out in, a little bit more. Yeah, there's this line in a distant echo where um, Crosshair tells Rex that um, that maybe you're just feeling guilty about uh, leaving Echo at the Citadel, um, and then Crosshair goes, "I would have done the same. After all, he's only our egg." I'm like, yeah. okay, so in one season of TV, you want us to go from that to why did you leave me, Bad Batch? You could have you, you could have talked to me first. Yeah. Nice. How? Uh, yeah. How yeah. are we supposed like what? Yeah, it's not. <sighs> I mean, look, if he was a little bit prickly and then became a full dick once the inhibitor chip kicked in, okay, we can do that. But no, he just straight up said he would abandon his fellow troops. And now we're just supposed to feel bad for him when the stuff happens in season one of the Bad Batch. And I do feel bad for him, but like, come on. Yeah, it could have been a little... The whole whole, whole, whole thing could have been a little bit uh, better executed. Um, yeah, absolutely. But anyway, they, they get on the mission. Um, yeah. They get shot down. Of course. The, yeah, hey, main character, it. main character gunship actually gets shot down. Um, hey, so that's a little bit, a little bit different. Um, yeah, a little bit different once. Um, and then I don't know. I'm starting to get at this point. It gets a little old in Star Wars. You have these crazy, crazy crashes, especially in animation. Crazy crashes, and then nothing really bad happens except Cody, I guess. Yeah. He gets hurt, but you know he's he's fine. It's not he's back in action in Revenge of the Sith, which is very very soon after these episodes. So yeah, I don't know. It, it's okay once or twice, but just a recurring thing of high speed catastrophic crashes with no real consequence. It starts to it starts to wiggle its way into your consciousness after a after a few of them. You're like, wait, what's going on here? Trench is back though. I honestly Trench love is Trench. Back um, because- yeah. His yeah. His outlaw he the way he kind of thinks out loud, the way he plans everything out, super sinister, very chilling. I feel like when he stepped in the episode, that kind of raised the stakes a lot, you know. Absolutely. 
as a vi- as a villain, I love Trench. Yeah, it's weird because I usually hate villains like Trench, but I actually love Trench as a villain. Something about him just works for me. Um, is he overly campy? Sure, yes, he is. But does he work? Yeah, he still works for me. Like it's he's, one of those things where, yeah, he's, he's just kind of weird awesome. enough. Yeah. It's kind of awesome how over the top he is. You know, yeah, like um, he's a giant tarantula. It's like stroking his tarantula, tarantula chin, clicking his his uh, mouth. You know, it's yeah. great. It's yeah. great. I, I will I will criticize him a little bit uh, further on this arc for a few weird things that he does. Um, mostly co- coinciding with the word algorithm, because yeah. seriously, take a shot in this arc for every time he says the word algorithm. The algorithm. The algorithm. <laughs> um. <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, no, Trench is great. Uh, I I think Trench is really great. Um, now we should now can we get to Echo? Oh yeah, let's do it. You want to so, uh, you want to crack this one open? Uh, so yeah, we were revealed at the end of this episode that somehow Echo survived. Um, he was indeed salvaged from the wreckage of the Citadel, um, by the Techno Union and taken to their lab on Skakel Minor to have done experiments on, um. I want to get your thoughts on Echo's return. I think it's cool. Um, you know, obviously in Star Wars, you know, the joke, no one's ever really gone. You know, they have a yeah. lot of people come back, a lot of resurrection, especially these days with Disney. But I didn't mind this one as much um, because he really came back very changed. Um, it, it had consequences still. And it was a really... I mean, I thought it was a really creative concept that they kind of plugged him in, turned him into this crazy machine, and were like using his brain to uh, to look into the Republic's strategies and create algorithms. Like, that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. I agree with you that it was a really cool concept. Um, I'm much more negative on this than you are. I feel like Echo's resurrection still has not to this day proved any real purpose. Mm. Like he he acts as a MacGuffin for this arc, and then in the Bad Batch season one, okay, tell me one unique thing Echo does in the Bad Batch season one. Yeah, I can't help you there. That's yeah, exactly, because I'll he admit, doesn't that, do that's anything that's unique number. in season one, and I've yet to see. And again, this could be changed down the road with season two of the Bad Batch. But I've yet to see exactly why Echo's resurrection was so important. Yeah. Um, I, I think it was a cool, even if he doesn't really end up doing that much, it's a cool story to tell. And it still does a lot, um, I think, especially with the way it's kind of reworked around here compared to the original you know, concepts that we got in the unreleased form. I like the way they kind of work it around and they do a lot for Rex. So it doesn't really bug me yeah. uh, too much, I would say. I'll say the, the one other place it bugs me, and this is something you were talking about, was the lack of focus with this arc. Because I realized that one of my biggest problems with this arc is they never really could decide, is this about Rex or Echo? And this is, about, is this about Rex and Echo and their relationship? Or is yeah. this about the Bad Batch? Because, yeah, let's be correct. clear, 
because let's be clear, the tragedy, I think, worked a lot better in this aspect because the tragedy was like, okay, we got to do two things in this arc. We got to introduce Boba Fett and we have to kidnap Grogu. And yeah. they did both of them very effectively. Um, yeah. In The Jedi, which is another backdoor pilot, that arc was, that episode was all about Ahsoka. And Ahsoka was the focus of that episode. There was no secondary focus. That was it. It was Ahsoka. That's it. Um, but this episode didn't exactly... This, this arc, I feel like, sometimes didn't know exactly what it wanted to be. Yeah, I definitely felt that as well. And again, that goes back... For me, that kind of... I pin that... I pin that on the, the presence of the, of the Bad Batch. Yeah. Thinking, you know, obviously it does set up um, the Bad Batch show yeah. quite a lot better, but it still feels like a bit of a shame that they had to, uh, they had to kind of, not that they had to, but I think just the way that they did it, the way that they did the introduction and some of the initial character development felt a little bit heavy handed. Yeah. So I think it kind of ended up, it ended up sullying the, uh, the episodes just a tad. And obviously they're still great, but I don't think they yeah. were as good as they could have been. I think they, they could have been like, like total classics. Instead. I think they're, 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 they're at that level where they're, they're good, but they're maybe, maybe they're not, maybe they're not amazing. Maybe they're not as good as they could have been. That I said great, but not legendary. Yeah, great yeah. but not yeah, I, I think that's a good way to yeah. way to put it. And like the the Mandalore the Siege of Mandalore arc legendary. Oh that's legendary status hundred um, percent of the way. The uh what other arcs are we are we saying? I mean I know in your opinion it would be Umbara. I don't yeah. agree, I think but, I think uh, the Umbara I consider the Umbara arc I think Mortis to be legendary. I think legendary. the Mortis arc yeah I don't consider the Mortis arc I know, legendary, but, so I guess that's know, a trade. What's ones what's ones we can agree on that are legendary just to Obviously, I think the Ahsoka leaving arc. The Ahsoka leaving. Fives arc. I was gonna go with Salukamai. Which so which one? Uh, which one is that? Intrigue, the deserter. Mm, I don't know if I'd call that legendary, but yeah, I, 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 I at least yeah. call that. Um, what about? Well, that, yeah, those are kind of the yeah. episodes that it would be in the conversation with. In my, what I'm saying is like it would be in the conversation with those. Mandalore. Mandalore season five. Yeah, I feel like it, these these episodes could have been in conversation with those in my mind they could be in conversation with those kind of you know fan favorite consensus um legendary episodes but they're not and unfortunately i I do kind of have to point the finger at the bad batch for that one yeah i mean i actually so here's the thing ironically enough for me i actually blame it on on echo Mm. because i think because I think, I don't know what it is recently. I think we're rewatching this arc and having some breathing room from it. But I don't think we give enough credit to season one of The Bad Batch. I think that, like, I don't think it's, like, the best Star Wars show of all time or anything. But damn, that was a good season of Star Wars television. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and and I really do I like and that's that, that's my thing is like I really do like the Bad Batch's characters I like Hunter and Wrecker and Tech um, as characters um, I'm excluding Crosshair because you know he 
Karen said, I'm not, and I sold some reservations about him, and I'm excluding Echo because obvious reasons. Um, but um, I, I really like all of their character development, and I can't help but think that Echo might not have been the best choice for this arc, but that's just me. Um, yeah, I, I, I see where you're I see where you're coming from. Personally, I think it just, maybe it just works for me. Okay. Yeah. More than it works for you. And I think maybe the Bad That's Batch, right. the Bad Batch yeah. kind of worked for you. didn't work for me so much. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. you win some, you lose some, you know, but there you go. Um, yeah. um, I'll just end with one thing. Um, when, uh, when Trent learns they, that they found out that, that Echo is broadcasting the signal, he goes, what? Yeah, I love, that was the moment that I was like, <laughs> yeah, this is, this is such a meme where they like, man, between, between Trench and, and I don't have such weaknesses. Yeah. Between Trench, I don't have such weaknesses and literally everything Watt Tambor does in these episodes. <laughs> this is a, this is a meme. This is a meme yeah. gold mine. It's been a while since we've had some good memes on in a galaxy yeah. and I missed, I forgot how much I missed them. Watt Tambor, let me talk to you about that guy. He's a legend. That guy is a legend. Every moment is when he looks at all the bombs and just goes, oh no. Or they ruined years of my research. Like, come on, man. That's just he's, he's hilarious. He's absolutely Watt Tambor is one of the most unintentionally hilarious characters in Star Wars in this arc. Um, and I love the guy. I love like the fact that George came up with the Techno Union. Like, say what you want about the prequels. The Techno Union was legitimately a genius idea. Like, like these like half robot, half alien people called Skakoans and they um, live on a planet called Skako Minor and they they deal with all like the tech stuff. Like yeah. that's that's just a fun idea. And the fact that they have those pressurized breathing so like I just love them. I don't know if you noticed this actually. Did you notice that the Skakoans um floated like the Crystal Crisis yeah. people? Yeah. It brought me back to the Crystal Crisis because I'm like, oh wait they're they're pulling the Crystal Crisis on them. Um, yeah it's hilarious. It was great. Um, should we get on to a distant echo? Uh, yeah, a distant echo. Okay, in a distant echo, um, uh, Rex, Anakin, and the Bad Batch travel to Skako Minor, uh, believing that Echo is still alive. Um, uh, but before they do that, Anakin has a little bit of a chat with his secret wife, Padme Amidala. Um, Rex has to distract Obi-Wan while he does that. Um, he, uh, he does so pretty unsuccessfully. But Anakin, Rex, and the Batch take off to Skako Minor. Um, they get up to... Um, they, they are first... Uh, Anakin, upon their landing on uh, Skako Minor, is captured by the native species on Skako Minor called the Poltex. Um, the Batch and Rex rescue him from the Poltex. Um, they then go to this, the capital city of Skako Minor per coal. They infiltrate the Techno Union warehouse. They find Echo, um, who is more machine now than man, um, hooked up to all of these wires, and Rex comforts his brother, uh, assuring him he's safe and he's okay. And that's the episode. The fortune cookie is, the search for truth begins with belief. Yeah, Rex has to believe that Echo's still alive, even when... There are a lot of skeptics, and I think they have good reason to be skeptical. Um, yeah. Relating this back to, I think, the bigger theme 
since this is a clone arc. The same way that the clones have to believe in their own value and individuality, even when they are uh, in a system that's set up to crush that out of them. Um, especially for Rex, you know, he uh, he ends up finding the truth about the Republic, about the, the about the separatists, about the war, and he ends up um, he ends up being able to escape Order sixty six and fighting and helping uh, defeat the Empire. Yeah, um, I also think that, you know, like, there's that, there's that old Star Wars adage of trust your instincts, and that's a, this is a very, this is very um, uh, similar to that in this way, you know, where uh, to go with your gut and to do what, to, as Obi-Wan says in New Hope, do what you feel is right. It's important that you take risks or else you won't achieve anything. It's a great attitude. Um, uh, do you want to just jump in now? Yeah. Um, where do you want to? Where do we start with this one? Let's talk about Anakin and Padme. Oh yeah. Look, the whole Anakin's Anakin's thing. You know, he keeps saying to Rex, "We can't go yet, Rex. Rex, we have the thing. Rex, what thing? Anakin. You know the, the thing. thing. You know the thing. Look, Anakin. Look, people in the Clone Wars." Anakin, the clones, they're such bad liars, it's kind of hilarious that he and Padme didn't get exposed. Um, I mean, from a certain <laughs> point of view, they kind of did. Yeah, they, they did in the end. No, 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 I'm saying, like, here's what I mean. Um, one of the most confusing and debated lines from this episode on the internet, I've seen so many debates about this, um, you know the line, um, uh, I was just spot checking Rex's gear. Yeah. I, I hope you at least told Padme I said hello. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's one of those quest. It's one of those lines that raises so many questions from Obi Wan. Like, how much did he actually know? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, how much was he hiding? And what did he think Anakin was up to with Padme? And what did he know? What did he believe? You know what I mean? There are all those questions. Yeah. Uh. And, you know, I like to think there's a, there's a great passage from the Revenge of the Sith novel. It's the extended con, uh, conversation between Obi-Wan and Padme when Obi-Wan tells her that Anakin's turned to the dark side. Um, and it, he explains to her that, An that he knew about their relationship, but he kind of denied it to himself. He's like, he, he knew that he had such a loyalty and such a love for Anakin that any news, anything bordering on a relationship with Padme would get him expelled from the Jedi Order faster than you could say attachments. Um, and so he just kind of denied it inside himself. He's like, no, they couldn't possibly be. No, it's not. They're just good friends. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like, I not only lied to the galaxy, I lied to myself in a lot of ways. And I like that interpretation that Matt Stover gave us in that novel. Yeah, I think that's a great... Yeah, it's a great interpretation, and I think it makes the most sense here, given that, given how he uh, how he calls out. Um, you know, with that in mind, though, I want to I want to talk about Padme and Anakin's actual conversation. Um, yeah, because I think it's very interesting. You know, Anakin, of course, he says he's worried that Rex is letting his personal feelings drive him too much on his mission. Wait, wait for um, it, wait for it, Jacob. Can I say it? Say the line, Sheev. Nope, I'm not saying it. The you line. You weren't gonna I'm say not, the line, Sheev. I wasn't gonna say the Sheev line. I was gonna say the Boba Fett Cad Bane line. 
Oh, go ahead. If that isn't the quack to call in the stiffling slimy. Well, that's a good one as well. That is a good one as well. Um, <laughs> because, yeah. Um, but a little bit of insight also into Anakin. You know, at least Padme, credit to her, she's able to kind of check Anakin and point out that he assumed he would be able to single... She was like, oh, you assumed you'd be able to come out here and single-handedly end the conflict, even though it's this long, grinding, drawn-out siege. Um, Outer rim sieges, yeah. Yeah. So, of course, one of Anakin's uh, many problems at this point, shall we say, is that he uh, he tries to take the the whole world on his shoulders his entire life. He's learned the lessons that you can't really rely on anyone. Um I- I mean, like, and look, he but, was like that way. What was the first thing that um, that Qui Gon was so interested in Anakin about? He was the chosen one. Yeah, he was the one who was supposed to bring balance to the Force. He wasn't one of many. He wasn't like one of a few people. He was no, the he one, was the one person who was responsible for ending the Sith. So you can understand how that might put a lot of pressure on someone that way. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, that would. Um... You're absolutely right. Also, um, you know, very, as, as I said, ironic for Anakin, but, you know, oh. this does, um, if, if we can bring out, whip out the, uh, the psychological complexity of Anakin Skywalker, because um, oh, it does rear, it does, uh, it rear is, rears its, uh, Anakin's psyche, rears its ugly head once more. Yeah. He thinks he can do whatever he wants. You know, he's going to run around, pull crazy stunts. But at the same time, he's super, super protective of, as we've already established, as everyone knows, Anakin, very, very protective of the ones he loves. Obvious well, reasons, all the losses you know he's that faced. Is, right? The losses he's faced. No, because only he can protect them. Yeah, only oh, he thinks only he can he protect is. them. Yeah. They're as much as he just... wants to acknowledge their skills, they're not as good as he is in his, yeah. in his eyes. But, he is the yeah. sovereign protector of the galaxy. There's no one who can do it as good as he can. But the flip side of that, or where we see, we start to see a, a dark side of that when we see him in some cases, you know, obviously the Clo- Clovis arcs, for example, we see him kind of sometimes, you know, belittling or maybe impeding his his friends and people close to him at worst, you know tearing them down damaging his relationship yeah uh, with people because yeah. because he wants the best for them but he he can only he can only see it through his eyes where the best is they have to be doing things that i think are safe that i think are okay which again obviously comes from the trauma that he that he experienced and it to address back to that. the other arc um, that I like to mention so much on this show now, I guess, Crystal Crisis. You know, Anakin didn't want Ahsoka to come back to the Order for her. Yeah. He wanted her to come back to the Order for him. All of those conversations reveal exactly that. You know, uh, she was one of us. She belonged with us. It removes Ahsoka's a lot of agency from the choice. And, and you know, we talk about him removing Ahsoka's agency, removing Padme's agency. Um, and we'll talk about, um, of course, the infamous I don't have such weaknesses when we get to that in Unfinished Business. But that's a whole other um, discussion on its own. Um, let's see. 
you know, we get that plot hole um, that everybody talks about in this episode. I'm not sure how much you're bothered by it. I'm only bothered by it a little bit, which is why does Anakin not see that Padme is pregnant in the hologram? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I yeah, I thought foreshadowed that there. That's yeah, I was like, that's gotta be, that's gotta be foreshadowing. And I mean, speaking of foreshadowing, this was made before COVID, and we have this remote bonding holographic. Oh my God, I mean, come genius. on, come on. That's just wow. Clear clap, clap, why must wow. you, why must clap you hurt me up. this way? Clap it up. That's good. This is that's the, uh, good. this is the uh, blue shadow virus 2.0. This moment is blue for shadow us. virus two, baby. <laughs> oh, oh God. That's good. That's oh God. Good. What have I done? Rex is a really bad lie to Obi-Wan also moving through the scene. Oh, yeah. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of hilarious. Um, and, and, but it got me thinking um, that might be by that might be by design. That might yeah. actually be by design because you think about it, the clones, they've been designed. They're good soldiers, you know, good soldiers follow orders. They have to be receptive to orders. They, they don't want them to act out too much. So maybe lying to superiors, that's obviously going to be a no, no. And I also think that it's not about uh, yeah. So I wouldn't course. be I wouldn't be shocked if that was maybe part of the uh, part of the the genetic enhancement package yeah. that the Kaminoans gave to Django's DNA. I, I that that's a good that's a, it's a good explanation. What I was thinking was I wouldn't be surprised if also like Obi Wan doesn't consider Rex a subordinate. Yeah, that's true. Obi-Wan I mean, maybe it's not necessarily. Which is even yeah. worse because yeah. you know lying to one of your one of, lying to one of your superiors is one thing, but lying to one of your friends who you implicitly put your trust in—that's something different. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, obviously in Star Wars, you know, if there's one lesson, it's that friendship above everything, friendship above uh, military order and and rank and absolutely rank and file. So. Yeah. Absolutely, it makes sense that that's another layer on this, and another another layer of tragedy with Anakin is that you know it's not just that he's kind of lying by omission, you know, living this double life, but that other people are like going to bat for him. Obi Wan is like going to bat for him with the Jedi Council. Rex is going to bat with him in turn for Obi Wan, you know. So that just makes it. That just makes it that much worse. Um, but speaking of Obi-Wan, um, a small aside here. What did you think of Obi-Wan's character model in this? Because I, this is very, very nitpicky. This didn't really bother me. But just I was just thinking, does he seem, Does Obi-Wan feel slightly uncanny valley to you? I get, I get that what they're trying to do, you know, give it a more cinematic feel, move the characters, make them look a little bit more realistic, we could say. But I still think that his eyes are surprisingly small in this character model. I can see and where you're di- coming from. Like, I don't think I feel like it's thing. just so different from the cartoony look yeah. of the oversized eyes that we had before. It feels slightly uncanny valley to me. I, I can't help but uh but feel. Um My thing is that But you know, I, that's like the actually, tiniest gripe ever. Yeah. Actually, like, my the character model is the other Jedi in this. I think Anakin's model is a little strange. Really? 
I think he's probably. I didn't really put as much thought into his. Yeah, yeah because that one didn't bother uh, yeah, me. And I didn't really put as much thought into Obi Wan's, but Anakin <laughs> bothered me a little bit just because, you know, his hair is straightened this for some reason. You and think it's not curly enough, kind of, or it's I don't not think it's curly, curly enough? I, um, and I, I think they just updated his facial model, and I think it's it looks great. It just, you know, I'm used to seeing the previous seasons, Anakin. And yeah, the yeah, yeah. Anakin, I think, flows a lot better into the Sith Anakin than this does, but that's just my opinion. Um, yeah, he looks a little, little bit of a bizarre look. Yeah, um, but for again, both Obi Wan and Anakin, but yeah, smallest of, again, like, I, I, I know, I, I, I kind of hate it when, when, people kind of will call nitpicking whenever someone has a has a criticism or a thought about something, but. This is genuinely just like out of my own curiosity. Like I wanted to know what you thought because it really didn't bother me that much, if at all. It was just like, yeah. huh? He looks a little it, it, looks a little was, strange. Uh, there was a few times where I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, and then I just moved on because it wasn't like, yeah. Um, Want to get to Skako Minor? Skako Minor and the aliens, which I the Poltex, the Poltex, the which Pultex. by the way. I didn't realize that I'd been spelling them wrong until I looked them up and I realized I'd been spelling them wrong. There's no H at the end of it. It's not technology. P-O-L-E-T-E-C. No H. Oh, it's like Toltec or Olmec. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a, I wonder if that, that's got to be a reference on purpose. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, um, I like the Poltec species a lot. Yeah, they're, they're cool. I like their, their language. Feels Their very, language um, is really unique. weird and is, is unique, and I love it. Um, it's kind of cool because a lot of Star Wars alien languages kind of just they do have that feel of yeah, they just told the extras to talk in gibberish, and yeah. then we're gonna like carry this over. But this genuinely felt like very just offbeat. This is like, Matt different. Wood and David Accord doing their best work. Yeah. Um, um, I love the translation scene too. You get that little kind of almost slice of life moment of seeing how do all the different languages interlock? How do they overlap? Yeah. Um, I, I, I really like seeing the, the, the HUD, the heads up display on text monitor that we got to see briefly. That thing looks really good. Yeah. Like, I, I think that just the display looks, it's really well animated. Um, yeah, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Uh, so do we want to get up to Percol and the Skakoans? Because let me tell you about something, okay? All right. I love Skakoans. I love them. They're great. I love Watt Tambor. I love his assistants. They're all great. I I, I love Skakoans. Um, they're great. Give me more Skakoans in Star Wars. 2022 so, challenge. Give me more Skakoans. They're so hilarious, honestly. They're, yeah. Yeah, my favorite. <laughs> we gotta get to the some of Watt's hilarious lines. For example, the Techno Union has corporate neutrality. Yeah, which I'm like, surely you can't believe that. No, it doesn't. Yeah, surely you can't. Surely you can't believe that'll work at this long, this long into the into the war. You know. Look, I might have been mishearing a few things, but I'm not the one who said in Attack of the Clones the Techno Union. Yeah. Is at your disposal, Count. He literally says, is at your disposal, but then he's like, 
we have corporate neutrality. I'm like, no, you don't. And you said you did three years ago. I don't know how what logic they're using, but it's not mine. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, one one quick thing before they get there. It always seems strange to me in Star Wars, especially animated Star Wars. We have a lot of these, you know, kind of indigenous species, tribal kind of characters where they're a little bit removed from the main characters and their their society. Why are they always so eager and willing to help the main characters? Like the leader of the village here, does he just accept that Anakin is telling the truth? And he's just, he just is he just like, okay, yeah. Like I get it once they bring Echo back. But yeah. He's just like, yeah, sure, take our flying beasts and go. Like Well, here's the thing. I, and again, I agree with you. I think this the pull texts are not as remote as we might have thought they were. Because remember, at the end of the arc, I noticed something, which is they said the Jedi will always have an ally here on on Skako Minor. Is a line that Tech translates from yeah. the pull tech leader. So they know so the Jedi. They know who the Jedi are. So that leads me to believe they're not as remote. And they and they recognize that one was there on the planet. Yeah. So, you know. I don't think they're as remote as as we may be led to believe. You know what I mean? Uh, but I agree with you that like plot convenience is a is a weird thing. And like you know, uh, we'll we'll go on with the seven samurai stuff. But it's like, oh look, another neutral species being forced to choose a side in the war. If only we had done this before in the Clone Wars. Yeah. Oh I'm wait, we've done this like sixteen times. Like. Seriously, the Lorman and the Felucians and the Mon Calamari and the people of Onderon and, you know, the list goes on. The first time it's fun. The second time it's amusing. The seventh yeah. time You're it's like, like geez, okay, we get it. When is it going to end? Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Um, what, else, what else about this episode? What else do you want to touch on? Um, uh, <laughs> once oh, they enter the, the towers. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, when they go up the elevator to the tower. No, actually it was when, when they were on a cliff overlooking Percol. Um and 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 um and someone asked Wrecker, uh afraid of falling Wrecker, and he and he says, No 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 when I'm up real high, I got a problem with gravity. Yeah. Which is automatically going to be my excuse for why I'm afraid of heights from now on. <laughs> like I am personally also afraid of heights. When I mean some, ever somebody asks me, I'm gonna say, "I'm not afraid of heights. I just when I'm up high, I got a problem with gravity." Okay. I mean, <laughs> I love, I love yeah. Record being afraid of heights. He's not it's, wrong. He is absolutely the, not wrong. It's the best thing ever. It's great. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, yeah. Um, Let's also talk about, um, okay, everyone, this is a stealth mission. No blasting, no blowing things up. Elevator door opens. Ah! Yeah, I mean, yeah, Wrecker, it's pretty, it is pretty fun to watch Wrecker, is, Wrecker, watch is, Wrecker just kind of go God, off, man. you know? He's, he's great. All the oh, stuff yeah, go crazy. this arc is, frankly, incredible. 
Yeah, um, go crazy record. Go crazy. <laughs> record is record is a joy to watch for me. Um, I also want to touch on before we uh, move on to Wings of Kira X, the Techno Union battle droids. I like the look of them a lot. Me too. Me too. I wish we saw more Techno Union droid. I, I, sorry, I, I wish we saw more specialized battle droids in the Clone Wars. Yeah, I, I love I love when they can spread their wings, even though they are hilariously ungainly. Yeah. But look, here's the thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, the D1 aerial the D1 series aerial battle droid. The D-Wing droid. <laughs> I just looked it up on Wikipedia. Um, it just looks great, frankly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's see. Um, let's uh, you want to move on to Wings Kyrdax? Um, sorry for this episode. Um, I mean, we talk about the moment when they find Echo. You know, um, I think it's really well done. You know, that you have this touching reuniting of two old friends combined with the element of horror of what has become of Echo. Um, and obviously, of course, the. Uh, Oh no, that's next. That's next episode. Okay. Yeah. No, it's 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 a great the meme, moment. The meme moment. Yeah, but it's a it's a great moment. It is a great moment. It, um, it, it, I I, lo- yeah. I love how emotional it is. I love how you know, um, I I love how it's fueled, and I love how you know all the shooting is happening outside, but it doesn't matter because it's about Echo and it's about his progress as a character. And it's about his um motivations yeah. now that he's been brought back from the dead you know what i mean it's it, it's 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 about him the scene's about him and i think they yeah. did a really great job 100 100 um let should we get on to um uh on the wings of kiradax yes on the wings of the kiradax so rex has reunited with this old friend echo they have pulled him from the crazy machine however Hot on their tail is Watt Tambor with his masses of battle droids. So after some crazy hijinks that we'll get into, they do manage to escape. Um, however, they are almost caught again by the battle droids on this crazy um, kind of balance beam fight scene. However, they escape on Kyrdex and they return. Jacob, to... Jacob, you missed. Yeah. Come on, come on. What I miss. They escape on the wings of Kyrdax. Oh, yeah. I didn't want to say it, but they escape on the wings of Kyrdax. Roll credits. They, they come back to the Poltec village. Um, however, of course, they are tracked there by the Separatists. The Poltecs have to team up with the Jedi and the clones to, uh, to defeat the battle droids. And that's that. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, our fortune cookie is survival is one step on the path to living. I mean, no one knows this better than the clones, unfortunately enough. They, yeah. they, they can't really live their lives at times because of how preoccupied they're forced to be with just trying to survive the, uh, the battlefield craziness. You know, I was thinking of this uh, psychologically. Um, have you heard of Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs? I have yes, the pyramid. Yeah, it's it, the pyramid. It's uh, so for any of you who don't know, 
um, uh, there was a psychologist named Abraham Maslow, um, and he built this pyramid, this metaphorical pyramid on what humans need in order to psychologically be as good as possible and what's most important, what's, what's um, least important. And, you know, on the bottom is, you know, breathing and food and water and sleep and all of that kind of stuff. Um, survival is the first step on the path to living. Um, it is one step on the path to living. According to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, absolutely it is. It is one step, and it's the first step. Without the lower levels of the hierarchy of needs, the higher levels don't matter. Um, so you have to build up from there. That's what I immediately went to. I mean, we start off with this pretty, pretty sick fight scene, I would say. Yeah, um, against the decimator. The, uh, the deci- send it, yeah. Watt Tambor. Send in the decimator. But the clones were like, the, the what? The what now? villain line ever. It's the, it's the cheesiest line ever, but that thing it's really great. does look scary. That thing really, really does look great. scary. There was a deleted scene from the um, original unfinished arc that I remember that, um, that has um, the decimator actually used on a Poltec so we can actually see the effect on it before it goes in. Yeah, it's crazy. Which I wish we could have gotten because I just wish we could have seen the decimator because it's a cool device that's used for absolutely nothing. Yeah. Jacob, how do they escape with the decimator? They pretty much just escape it. They go through the roof and but, uh, yeah, through decimator doesn't get to. Pardon? Oh, the vent. It's a vent. It's another vent. Ah, I wish I we would have gotten more Crystal Crisis esque self aware vent comments. Like yeah. Oh, sir, they must have gone through the vents. Yeah. <laughs> of course they went through the vents. That's what they do. Star Wars. It's animated Star Wars. Come on. Not even animated Star Wars for the vents, though. Like, it's just... It's just all Star Wars. Yeah. I mean, look, Crazy it, it's, in many ways, Star Wars was a predictor for Among Us. Because <laughs> everybody's hiding in the vents in that game, too. Um, <laughs> They're in the vents. Yeah, you're absolutely right. <laughs> um... Uh, uh, by the way, did you notice that Tambor um, uh, destroyed a droid when it talked back to him? He apparently he went did, to the yeah. School of uh, Droid Treatment. He went to the, the he went to the uh, he got his uh, degree in business from the, the Grievous School of Business Management. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. I have to notice with Wrecker, how many times in Star Wars animation have we seen the uh, throw a bad throw a bad guy? into another two bad guys and that's the end of that that is such a trope in clone wars and especially rebels I'm how, many, how many times have we seen that? As well. yeah and the bad batch you know and it's not like these droids even like they they, they didn't even hit them that hard but you know is it gonna throw... you if i say i get like a lot of delight whenever i see that trope i love that trope no it's awesome like it's a it's it's hilarious it's badass but <laughs> It's also I I I, I kind of cringe a little bit because I'm just like yeah like yet. the droid like you just got you just got hit by another droid why are you down for the count yeah like, what's up with that but you know it, there it are is many horrible. injuries in Star Wars that probably shouldn't be as severe as they are but they are for plot reasons um, yeah and that's fine well maybe we can chalk this up to the same reason why people seem to get thrown back. When they get when they get hit with blaster bolts, yeah. Um, let's. Uh, by the way, so um, 
I don't know if I remember watching this episode for the first time, and the first thing I thought when the the when they flew away on the Kyriax and then the battle droids flew after them, I'm gonna say it, Jacob. You can't stop me from saying it. All right. They fly now. They fly now. They, they fly, fly now. now. Yep. My thoughts exactly. My yeah, thoughts exactly. It, it is a total day of fly now moment, and I'm I'm uh, I unabashedly love that line, and I it was it made <laughs> me such a it, it gave me such joy when I watched that for the first time, um, because of course I watched this after Rise Skywalker because it was released after that to go. They fly them. Um, yeah. Um, there's also that line I just love on the Kiridex. Um, How are you doing? Uh, uh, where Rex says, How are you doing, Echo? Uh, Never better, sir. And it's just like, Yeah, it's just like old times. Like, yeah. There's some great nostalgia moments in this where you're, where you're reminded of how much was taken on the day that Echo was exploded at the Citadel. Yeah. Yeah, there's a yeah for one one glorious moment. It really is. It really is just like old times. Um, yeah, yeah, it's amazing. It is great. Um, we should probably get to the uh, the uh, the the Poltec village. Yeah, Poltec village. So they escape. Um, they ruin years of Wat Tambor's scientific research. They take Techno Union property and they flee to the Poltec village. Um, yeah. What do you what do you got for this? I think the Poltec Village sequence is honestly my least favorite sequence of this entire arc. Something about it just feels so mad to me. Like, there's not a lot to it, frankly. They seven samurai the shit out of this. Yeah. Cool. I think I a lot of the... I've seen this six times before. Yeah, I think a lot of the the scenes in Star Wars that um, that are kind of the protagonists trying to you know trying to convince some um indigenous or tribal group to uh to join their cause to me they aren't the greatest they often feel pretty dumbed down almost to the point of of condescension um the reasons that they uh that they give that the group end up ends up taking um but this isn't i'd say this is far from far from the worst uh offender in uh in that regard um, you know, they, they're able to show Echo as evidence of what the Separatists have done. Um, and I, I don't know, I think that's a, actually a pretty surprisingly hard-hitting moment, seeing the, seeing the Poltex react to that. Um, but yeah, besides that, it's not, it's, it's not too special of a, of a sequence. Um, but then, of course, you get the, the battle scene. Um, thoughts on that? Again, I I, I I really explain my thoughts on that. I feel like I I it's oh that was included. Yeah, it's included for me. It's an incredibly mass sequence for me. Like the Poltec, and also I want to ask you about this. You know, there's a very common Star Wars trope that doesn't get addressed in this at all, which I thought it would have. Why did no one acknowledge that Anakin and Rex and the Bad Batch like screwed the Poltex? Because like. In, and, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but like you have to think, you have to assume that after they leave Skako Minor, the Skakoans launch another attack on the Poltex. Yeah. And this time they aren't so lucky. Yeah. You can't, yeah. So, I mean. They never address that, and it annoys me. You're just kind of like, oh, yeah, they just, 
they got their they butts kicked. Then. There. You know, they yeah. just they, they they openly attacked the the technology of the species that was there. Yeah. Oh well. No, yeah, not like the it's not like the uh it's not like the separatist leadership is uh notoriously uh petty or anything. Not like they're no, gonna they don't hold come back for revenge. Yeah. yeah, they don't hold grudges. That's not they them. Grud- that's not them. No, that's just no, not who no. they are. <laughs> that's just not yeah. who they are. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely yeah. a good point there. I think yeah. that a common, you know, that very clearly a through line with um last week's uh last week's episodes, Ahsoka's walkabout. You know, um, you know the Jedi, the Republic, they definitely have a problem with you know leaving the destruction in their wake that maybe they don't really worry about. Maybe they don't, maybe they don't address. Oh, 100%. Like they should. Um, Yeah. Um, Let's, uh, uh, do you got anything else or should we get on to unfinished business? Nope. Unfinished business. It is. So in unfinished business, echo has been revived. He is back with the crew, um, and Echo proposes a mission to uh, sneak behind enemy lines. So Echo, Rex, and the Bad Batch, and Anakin, they they sneak onto the Separatist flagship over in Axis, and they try to steal this encryption key from, uh, from Trench, um, However, things kind of go sideways when Trench discovers um, that Echo has plugged into the central system and is feeding false orders. How, so he has planted a bomb um, on the re- he has planted a bomb in the reactor core of the production facility, the uh, the shipyard production facility, which of course the Republic is trying to recapture. Um, yeah, there are a lot of shenanigans. Um, eventually. Mace Windu is able to shut down the bomb. Um, and thanks to Echo and the other heroes' heroics. Wow, heroes' heroics. Great word choice. Thanks to their heroics, he is able to win the day. Absolutely. He is our fortune cookie is. Trust placed in another is trust earned. What do you think about this one? Pretty much, um... Obviously, Rex knows Echo is trustworthy. It's harder for the others. Um, they don't really yeah. know him. Um, but, you know, Echo, over the course of this episode, you know, he's able to eventually, he kind of joins the Bad Batch. He's able to uh, to earn that trust, um, you know, by uh, by being brave and, and intelligent and kind of um, winning the day for the Republic. Um, so not too much there, but I think it's yeah. I think it's a... A cool one, nonetheless. Definitely not the meatiest fortune cookie ever, but not not the worst one either. Yeah, I think um, it could also be about the batch. You know, learning for again across this arc to put trust in the batch um, for Anakin and for Cody and for Rex and for all the regular troopers. Yeah, um, and and the bat and vice versa as well. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you something. Does this whole like where does Echo's loyalty lie? Like, do you feel like that was a bit contrived? You know what I mean? Like that, yeah, that felt super out of nowhere. Yeah, they, it, like they, they hinted at it a little bit. It, they mentioned in the opening narration. I'm like, when was that mentioned in any of the yeah. other three episodes? 
just like okay sure yeah maybe i, I feel like it would have been a lot better episode if that hadn't been in there because it just felt like kind of out of nowhere yeah for sure absolutely um it, it, it definitely didn't they didn't lead up to it a lot and they didn't yeah. uh they also didn't do much with it yeah it felt like in the end yeah Echo does everything right, and people are like, oh, yeah, so he's loyal anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah whatever. Um, let's see. Um, I gotta say, the battle on Anaxes in this episode looks great. It looks gorgeous. Absolutely. It just, it just looks great. I love it. Um, and, you know, like, uh, yeah. Lucasfilm animation under Disney's budget, the new Lucasfilm animation, I'm talking your Clone Wars. I'm talking your Bad Batch. You see the seven Clone Wars, your Bad Batch? Give yeah. me more. It's insane. Please, thank you. It's, it's good stuff. People should not be dismissing Star Wars animation ever, but, like, especially not now when the quality has just gotten so rich and so good. And so sophisticated. Um, yeah. Can I uh, bring up a speech to you in this episode? Absolutely. Uh, I love this so much. My name is General Mace Windu oh, of the Jedi of Order. Of course. At love this point of the Clone War, I have dismantled and destroyed over 100,000 of you Type 1 battle droids. I am giving you an opportunity to peacefully lay down your weapons so that you may be reprogrammed to serve a better purpose than spreading the mindless violence and chaos which you have inflicted upon the galaxy. Blast them! <laughs> it is maybe my favorite thing Mace Windu has ever said, and you know how much I'm not a huge fan of Windu as a character. Yeah. But it's one of those, you know, we've been talking with Crystal Crisis, with um, a little bit with the Yoda arc, a little bit with the uh, Sokolokbite arc, about the apology of the Jedi. This seems like a major apologetic moment for Mace Windu before he completely mm. regresses. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. This is him not acting through that. You know, remember, remember Yoda's line from Empire. Um, a Jedi uses the Force for, for knowledge and defense, never for attack. He gives them the chance to surrender peacefully, which is not something we've ever seen a Jedi do in this war. Yeah. Especially for droids. Yeah, it's it's an incredibly humane thing that he does, and I really like it. I I, I really do. Like I'm a it. big fan as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is the this is the window that I wish we could see more of. Absolutely, um, I agree with you. Um, I I wish we could see more of this makes window. Um, uh, yeah. I also did love this. Um, uh, actually, go ahead. What are your thoughts about the beginning of this episode? Um. I don't know. Obviously, I love the entrance. Love Obi Wan, Windu, the drop down entrance. Um, I love. You know, we get one more of these kind of big set piece battles. A lot of clones, yeah. a lot of droids, the jetpack troopers, the zip lining clones. Super cool that we get one kind of last hurrah. Um, the I think one moment that really stuck out to me. Um, very small moment, but the focus pull when they zoom in on Echo's face is amazing. When they plug in, when Echo plugs into the system. It is a weird moment. It's a yeah. weird, yes, it is a weird moment. Yes, it is funny, but it's, it's also just, jarring, an but it's, yeah. it's good. It's I also, like it. I think an amazing milestone of for the show. They make it work. They make it look good. I think it just yeah. shows how far the show has come, not just in terms of raw 
animation firepower, but just yeah. their overall technical capabilities. You never would have seen them doing that in, gosh, the season one, even even season six, kind of, you know. Yeah. Frankly, so even in Rebels. Yeah, even even in Rebels, frankly, as yeah, great was, as Rebels is, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, well, Rebels had say, nothing of the budget that this had, so yeah, and, I'm not surprised. I, I like the evolution of this and like, you know, I'm thinking of the scene in the engine of the Star Destroyer in season one of the Bad Batch on Braca. Yeah. That shit was gorgeous. Yeah, absolutely. Like it was just a gorgeous piece of art, um, that entire sequence. I'm excited to get to that again. Um, but yeah. Um, this is one of my favorite lines when when Trent realizes that the algorithm's failing him. A wise leader does not rely completely on things such as algorithms. I'm like, yeah. really, Trench? Because he just unquestionably. Times, because the amount of times you said the word algorithm in this art in this episode alone makes me think otherwise. Yeah, and the fact that even when it was the false, it was the false order that Echo had plugged into the goes system. With it. it was like, yeah, sure, let's converge all the troops on one place. No way the Jedi will send for for reinforcements. No, that would be ridiculous. Yeah, it, it it was it was a little strange, honestly. Um, yeah, uh, you got anything about Echo hacking into the? You know, do you have anything about Echo hacking into the Separatist mainframe and doing all that manipulation, or should we just get to Anakin and Trench? Mm, no, nothing about the manipulation. I think we should just get to uh, Anakin and Trench. I mean, Echo's plan. First off, I just want to. I was a little confused about that. There were like 200 B1 droids tops in the room with Mace and Obi-Wan when that pulse wave went out. Unless there were way more droids right there, what did that really do? You have a good point. You make a good point. Like, I think it's one of those suspension of disbelief thing, but yeah. Yeah, I was like, okay, I'm just going to spend disbelief because, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, let's... let's, talk, let, let's um, Let's talk about Trench and Anakin because this right. scene, specifically with Anakin and Matt Lanter's voice acting, is masterfully done. Oh my gosh! Yeah, um, like major props to him. The voice acting, yeah. you, everything was you just wouldn't kill me. You're a Jedi, and we're gonna talk about the meme line. I don't have such weaknesses. Yeah, Anakin confronting Notice Trench. That he calls showing mercy a weakness. Yeah, that's not the Jedi way, is it, Anakin? We're seeing his slow slip. That it's another reminder of how far he's slipping. You know what I mean? You know, I, I think of always like Jake Lloyd, little kid Anakin wouldn't have said that. Yeah, yeah. It's just so absolutely chilling. I mean, you hear it's it in his voice. Chilling. Yeah, the way he's giving into his his just giving into Pure his rage. rage. He's like, yeah. you're gonna. He's like, tell me where it is. You know, he yeah. holds a lightsaber at it. He cuts off the arms. It's yeah, it cuts off. It's, yeah. By the way, it's just, am it's I the only one done. who thinks it's really stupid that that Trench told the truth? Yeah, he could have just said because a different number. If he, if he, he would have, if, he if he's dead truth, anyway, if he, if he said, if gonna, yeah, yeah, if, 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 if okay, yeah. No, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. I was gonna say Anakin's gonna kill him if he tells the truth or lies. Yeah. He's gonna be dead anyway. Why not maintain a separatist victory on the planet? Yeah, you know. And he's dead anyway, also, because he's like, oh, Dooku. He's like, ah, you fool. Yeah. Dooku would kill me. Yeah. Okay, so then yeah. lie. 
Yeah, I don't he's lie. On, he, he's on. He's on. He's on death row. Either way, like, why not ensure Sabbath's victory? Yeah. Um, Who knows? It, it's really weird, but uh, of course I know that you know. Uh, because the arc has to, you know, end in a victory and all that kind of stuff. Um, I want to talk about the wrecking ball, uh, about Wrecker's wrecking ball. All right. That was so. That was so great. I love seeing that. The wrecking ball that Echo that that Wrecker does in the um, hallway is is awesome to see. Honestly, um, I think it's a great moment, and I think Crosshair being a dick and trying to top him with the kill thing. Like, what is up with this guy? Why is he so incredibly petty? I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so crazy. Um, should we get to the final story choice of this arc? Yeah. So it. Echo decides to join the Bad Batch. He doesn't feel like he belongs with the regular clones anymore. He feels like the Bad Batch is his home. Tell me your thoughts on this. I think it makes sense. I think it definitely I think it definitely is better for the story than if you were to just go back and be like, oh, just like old times. Because again, yeah. you know, this this actually forces this forces some change. This this forces this forces it not to just go back to oh everything's okay now, everything is the way it was. Which I think is ultimately a better, yeah, just a better story choice. Um, I think the way it was executed, it felt a little bit like maybe maybe it could have used a little more, a little more build up. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't have a problem with it. I think it could have been executed a little bit better, but ultimately, it's not the end of the world for me. What do you think about it, though? I think I, I, it's one of the best story choices I think that's made in this arc. Again, I think that they need to utilize Echo in season two of the Bad Batch a bit better for me to really feel that, like this choice was earned and like the choice of bringing Echo back in the first place was earned. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I like the decision. I think it, as you said, it would have been really awkward if they're just like, so just like old times, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just like old times. And then, yeah. It, yeah, you yeah. Know? yeah. 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 That would have um, been awkward. It would have been weird. Um, it wouldn't have. It would have felt inconclusive. Um, and yeah, um, you want to get the overall thoughts about this arc? Yeah, let's do it. Um, do you want to go first, or uh, why don't you go first? Okay. So overall, um, I'd say it's a mixed bag. Um, I think in some ways, I think I enjoyed the overall arc more than I did the first time watching it when it came out. But I think I enjoyed the Bad Batch's presence less, and it really stuck out to me the ways in which they dragged it down. And it's not necessarily that I'm against the Bad Batch, that I'm against those characters. It's that, like I said, it's just unfortunate that, you know, those things kind of had to, had to coincide Um because I think it did bog the episodes down just a little bit and just kept them from being as as uh, as good as they they could have been. Um, but that's my that's really my only uh, my only complaint. So overall, really solid episodes. 
great, great personal moment. The Rex getting his due, Echo getting his due as well. Anakin, Obi-Wan, May, even Mace, just, just Mace getting a little bit of love, you know, hard to complain yeah. there. Um, I like this arc. I'm still going to maintain my opinion that Ahsoka's walkabout is better than this arc. Um, even after rewatching this, I'm still going to maintain that opinion. Um, I thought that there, I, I, I began, as I was saying before, to appreciate Echo's role in this arc less and less. I feel like it was a bit too convenient at times, and I feel like the plot felt a little bit too convenient at times. But when it does what its goal is, like when it, like when it lays on the camp, when it lays on the cheese, like it can be really good. It can also feel a bit convenient at times and a bit unfinished at times and a bit like, so we're just going to leave this hanging on here. Um, but yeah, you want to do the rankings of the four right now? Yeah. Um, so for me, I would say number four, Kiridax. Parts of the episode I really like, but other parts, like you, for me, I think the, the Poltec parts bog it down a bit. Number three... The Bad Batch, number two, A Distant Echo, and number one, Unfinished Business. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, I'll go with my number four, On the Wings of Kiridax. There are some parts of this that, like, the whole battle in the middle is just, like, just doesn't work for me, personally. Yeah, me neither. Number three, A Distant Echo. Um, good episode. Um, sometimes feels a bit like uh, sometimes that has a bit too split of a focus. Mm, um, number yeah. two, unfinished business. Good episode. The echo whole motivation, but the echo who's he really siding with motivation comes out of nowhere, but good episode. And then the best episode is arc. I feel like by far for me is the bad batch. I think the bad batch works perfectly. I think it is a classic clone wars episode. I think it does. Ex- I, again, probably a lot of this is my nostalgia talking specifically for this episode because it's like, oh my god, the Clone Wars is back! It's back! It's back! It's back! But I think this episode, like, does what it needs to do with the Batch, does what it needs to do with Echo, doesn't have them conflict as much with each other. Um, that it introduces us to that gorgeous scene seven animation. Everything about the Bad Batch episode hits right for me. Mm. Uh, yeah, uh, that's just my opinion, of course. Uh, yeah. Um, let's, let's do a little bit of everybody's favorite part of Star Wars in a Galaxy. What you've brought me today is worth one quarter portion. Today on One Quarter Portion, um, the show, segment of the show where we do something a little bit different, we're going to talk about, um, our next episode of Star Wars in a Galaxy. We're not actually recording another episode. We are, we are streaming. We are live streaming. Um, by the time this comes out, we will have revealed all of our guests. Um, we are going to be joined by Jared the Dark Jedi from the Nerd Academy podcast um, and Mark, Emma, and Chase from Pink Milk After Dark um, to talk about, to do a Mandalorian bracket, to do, um, to do our normal bracket stream, but do the 16 episodes of The Mandalorian. We have them all assigned to people now. Um, we have uh, everyone's episodes and we even have our bracket now. Um, Jacob, have you opened the bracket? Yes, I have the bracket okay. open. Cool. Um, just, just checking. Uh, um, so Jacob and I wanted to do a bit of a pre-show for the stream. We wanted to do our overall predictions. So um, oh, let's. I guess we'll list this. Um, 
We'll do each person. So Jacob is defending Chapter 1, The Mandalorian, and Chapter 10, The Passenger. Oh, and Chapter 12, The Siege. Um, Emma is defending Chapter 2, The Child, Chapter 5, The Gunslinger, and Chapter 8, Redemption. Mark is defending Chapter 3, The Sin, and Chapter 15, The Believer. Jared is defending... Um, chapter 4, Sanctuary, Chapter 14, The Tragedy, and Chapter 16, um, The Rescue. Chase is defending Chapter 6, The Prisoner, and Chapter 11, The Heiress. And I am defending Chapter 7, The Reckoning, Chapter 9, The Marshal, and Chapter 13, The Jedi. Um, so, Jacob, what... First of all, I want to know your thoughts. Uh, I know you didn't much care about your episodes, but are you excited about these episodes? Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm absolutely excited to uh, defend my episodes. I'm a big fan of The Mandalorian. I think it's a great intro episode. Yeah, I, think um, I think it's easily the best of the episodes you're defending. Um, the Siege, you know, got some got some good stuff in there as well. So, you know, no complaints there. What about you? I'm very excited for my episodes. Uh, specifically, I'm excited to talk about The Marshal because I wanted to make sure I got that episode. <laughs> I was not going to keep anybody else from getting it, but no one else requested it. So I'm like, mine thank you of course um, of course that episode is a masterpiece and i will defend it of course the jedi is i think the jedi is a better technical episode like i think it's better crafted but the marshal is i think more fun for me personally and i think the reckoning is also an incredible episode as well um dev chow does some great stuff on that episode but the marshal i could rant all day and all night about how great that episode was mm-hmm. um and i will on the stream where i'm defending it against um what am I defending it against? The Prisoner. Okay. What episode do you think could have the shot to win it all? What do you think is the most likely episode to have the shot to win it all? Uh, I think it's going to be tough. Um, yeah. I think the rescue could run away with it, potentially. I think it yeah. I think wild card pick. Wild card pick, I think redemption maybe maybe the reckoning but i'm not i'm not i'm not too sure i haven't um i haven't really delved deeply into the mandalorian in a while so yeah it who's to say i will say this my personal prediction is that i do not think the winning episode will be from season one i think the winning episode of this bracket is going to be from season two uh my you're probably right my personal prediction is I think the heiress is going to win this bracket because I've seen a lot of enthusiasm for that episode. But again, I don't know. Um, there are many episodes that could win. Um, yeah, but uh, I'm really excited for that episode. I'm really excited for the stream. Um, hope you all can be there. Um, we're going to make announcements at it. But it is Sunday, March 13th at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. That is uh, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for those of you who are in that time zone. Um, we're excited to see you there. Also, um, we can announce this too. Uh, right after our stream, the week after our stream, we're having a guest on uh, Star Wars in the Galaxy. Jacob, myself, and Connor Chikiti from the Nerd Academy podcast will be doing what I've unofficially called Star Wars in a Galaxy, the tearless strike back. <laughs> um, we are going to be doing a second tier list episode. Our, we love doing the first tier list episode. Um, the, um, it got a tremendous amount of support from everyone as well. Um, so we're going to be doing it again. I'm very excited about that. 
Um, and yeah, in the meantime, uh, the next episode uh, will not be an episode, but it will be a um, it will be a stream stream on our channel, um, Star Wars and Galaxy. Uh, we already filled in those details, but uh, until next time, uh, you can listen to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, and anywhere you listen to your podcast, we'll be there. If not, email us. You can email us at swbinagalaxy at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at inagalaxypod and Instagram at inagalaxypod. You can follow my personal Twitter account at ochifan327. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Star Wars in a Galaxy. Again, we're going to be streaming on there. Uh, and until next time, may the Force be with you. Always.